Blog Talk Radio. Listen to their struggles as they turn them into triumphs. In a city full of challenges, they only search for victory, and nothing will hold them back. These are their stories. So sit back, relax, and welcome to their city. Wrestle City Radio. Folks, and welcome to another edition of Russell City Radio. I am your host, George Alonso. Thank you so very much for anyone that was here last week that's tuning in again. And for all you <clears throat> new listeners uh, that are tuning in tonight, we thank you very much from the entire Russell City Radio team, uh, from our booker, Remy, to, of course, our COO, Lorraine. Thank you very much to everyone tuning in. Uh, guys, we have... <clears throat> Uh, pardon me, guys. I am a little under the weather. Uh, but, guys, uh, thank you very much again. But basically, guys, we have a great show here lined up for you today. I have some great topics I want to discuss, uh, which, by the way, you guys can go ahead and post on our fan page on Russell City Radio on Facebook. All you have to do is Facebook.com backslash Russell City Radio and feel free to discuss the topics that we discuss here on the show there. Uh, guys, before I continue, I forgot to mention also this last week, uh, guys, we do not no longer take live call-ins from our fans. Uh, this is nothing against you guys. This is nothing against, uh, you know, even inter- having fans interacting with our guests is the fact that we are trying to avoid every kind of prank call or or sexual harassment that we've had here on our show before. Uh, one great example, when we had Angel Rose on the show, we had a prank caller call in and mess with uh, autism. So we cannot afford that again, and basically we will not put up with that again. Uh, so basically we have stopped all live call-ins from our fans, unfortunately. Um, but guys, if you do have a question for our guests or, or even for us, go on to our fan page, Wrestle City Radio, uh, on Facebook, and send a message. Post a a, a post. Uh, do something, and go ahead, and we'll make sure that we read it and send it over to our guest or send it to myself. Uh, but guys, we have, of course, our special guest. Here this evening, I am talking about none other than one of the original ECW Dudley boys. I'm talking about Chubby Dudley. We'll be on the show here today. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, for those who remember, uh, Chubby was part of when the Dudleys were still a parody in ECW. Uh, basically, when Bubba had the stuttering gimmick, and and of course you had Dancing with uh, with Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, and etc. Uh, etc. Et until Devon finally made his debut and changed the the look of the Dudleys into a more serious persona. We are going to have Chubby here on the show and see what his thoughts were during his time in ECW and of course going forward to become a promoter in the world of professional wrestling and of course see what he would have done differently with the ECW gimmicks that he was working with of course uh, from 1993 to 1996. So guys, uh, I, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and start working on my topics here and again feel free to Put a post, message, something on our Russell City Radio fan page if you have any questions. If you're against my opinion, if you're with my opinion, whatever you like, we will make sure to read it off here on air. So, guys, uh, long story short, 
you know, a lot of people, you know, thought CM Punk was going to win this past weekend during UFC. Uh, I believe it's UFC 225. Please correct me where I'm wrong, guys. Uh, but basically, a lot of people thought that CM Punk was going to win against his fight against Mike Jackson because they both had a similar win-loss record. Mike Jackson was 0-2, CM Punk was 0-1. Uh, you know, a lot of people even said CM Punk had won the first round by points, uh, <clears throat> but at the end, it was a vote unanimously for Mike Jackson to win. Uh, all three judges won all three rounds towards Mike, and CM Punk lost again. So a lot of people are questioning, is this the end of CM Punk in MMA? I've seen different posts up on social media from CM Punk should leave MMA to, hey, CM Punk, congratulations. Guys, Dana White has even said himself that CM Punk should finish his MMA career. Uh, I don't know what his future is with the UFC is after Dana White's comments. A lot of people are even saying that his, his UFC career is over. But knowing CM Punk, uh, he never, ever gives up, when, especially when he has his head so strong and his passion is so high. Guys, you don't forget there is Bellator still around, and there is also some great companies like Titan FC here in South Florida uh, that could pick up CM Punk and maybe give him another chance, another run uh, to USC once his uh, win-loss record is improved. So don't be surprised if CM Punk does not give up on this and maybe goes over to another organization like Bellator uh, and follow in the footsteps of the likes of Frank Mir and so on and so forth. Uh, personally, I would not be surprised to see a move like that, uh, especially for a guy that's extremely passionate for the stuff that he's doing. He's even said himself, you know, he's even said himself that basically right now the thing that takes over his mind and heart is no longer even professional wrestling. It's MMA. He is 100%, you know, for MMA right now. And to be honest with you, I'm putting my money on the, the fact that we might see an announcement maybe soon uh, that he will be making a Bellator debut, even though many people doubt CM Punk's career in MMA due to these two back-to-back -back straight losses. Uh, I even remember seeing some people on my social media mentioning that, that it, he's been training in MMA for three years and look like he's only done it for three months. Guys, listen, training is estimated to me. Yes, if that was the case, he should not have thrown his, uh, his uh, shoes into, or in this case, his name into the hat uh, and going into UFC. That, you know, I have to say uh, maybe he wasn't ready. I don't know. But the fact is, is that training is an ongoing thing no matter what sport you are in. Uh, you know, it's some people have trained for five years, especially in the world of professional wrestling, and they still continue to train to be better. That does not mean that CM Punk, just because he's trained for three years, uh, you know, and making it look like he's only done it for three months, doesn't mean anything. The more he trains, the better he becomes. I don't know if anyone has seen this, but he has posted up montage videos of his training regiments and how much he has put into the MMA world. So don't question uh, that situation. More like, say, congratulations, because you're doing something that we can't. He's doing something that a lot of people thought that he would never have done, uh, and he's doing it on his own accord. So, you know, as much as I don't like what he's done to the world of professional wrestling and how he's, you know, throw dirt on the world of professional wrestling, I have to say congratulations for him for following his dreams. Uh, aside from that, guys, following dreams one person, one dreamer that we could all 
believe in is, of course, even though a lot of people were first against him when he first was signed to the WWE, I'm talking about James Ellsworth. There's a rumor speculating that he is on his way back, especially once those rumors started to come up on social media and all the dirt sheets saying that basically the writers have a very special storyline in place for James Ellsworth, and we might even see him return as soon as, of course, this Sunday's WWE Money in the Bank. Uh, guys, you know, to be honest with you, if James Ellsworth returns and this so-called, you know, uh, special uh, storyline is concerned, I would want to see one thing, and that is something that made him very popular in the independence, and that is the intergender championship. The WWE, I know, is growing very, very strong and backing up women in this business by creating themselves, creating them, sorry, as a equal member to the men in this business. And we did see a glimpse of it when we saw the feud between Becky Lynch and James Ellsworth. So can it be that we might see the intergender championship, the championship that James Ellsworth created, uh, jump over to the WWE? Could that be the special uh, storyline they have planned? Is this even true? You know, I have to say, you know, if he does return, the WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view is the perfect setup for his return. It could be either during the Carmella versus Asuka match, or it could even be during the women's Money in the Bank, where he basically sets up that whole situation of, intergender championship and throws himself in there as a member of that ladder match, which I'm pretty sure would not go over well with fans, especially those fans that are backing up the women of the WWE. Who can blame you? But again, if you start to hate him, guess what? He is doing his job correctly. So that's why I'm saying this Sunday, if these rumors are true, that will be the perfect opportunity for James Ellsworth to make his return to the WWE. What would that special plan be? I would love to see the Intergender Championship again debut in the ranks of the WWE, something that James Ellsworth has debuted in the Independence and made him even a bigger marketing tool for not just himself, but for equality for women when he puts himself in that ring to put each woman that he's worked over, and of course, him still retaining the Intergender Championship, but still it's promoting equality because these are women who have gotten in the ring with a guy who was formerly in the WWE, and I applaud James Ellsworth for helping the women, the industry of women, and making them more equal to the men in this business. So, with that being said, guys, those were my two topics of the day. I am already out of breath. I am not used to hosting a show by myself, so I do apologize if I lag in any way. But, guys, let's go ahead and reach out to our special guest of the evening. I am talking about former ECW superstar, one of the original ECW Dudley boys. I'm talking about Chubby Dudley. Hello? Yes, hi, hello, with uh, Chubby Dudley, please. That's me. How you doing, man? Hey, Chubby, how are you doing? This is George from Russell City. How's everything, man? Good, George. How you doing? Ah, can't complain, man. A little under the weather and uh, because of my cold, a little out of breath, but I'm getting through there, man. I'm getting through. <laughs> That's a beautiful you- thing. You got to get through. Oh, ain't that the freaking truth? <laughs> so, Chubby, let, let me ask you, my brother, uh, you know, where have you been? How's it been? A lot of people here on my show, you know, when I mention Chubby Dudley, they say, oh, my God, I remember him. He was the guy that used to eat all those snacks during the Dudley Boy matches. But they <laughs> haven't they they haven't heard from you in a long, long time. Uh, what have you been up to, Chubby? Uh, well, it's, it's, it has been a long time. I, I, I left the wrestling business uh, for the most part in 2000 and, 2002. 
um, and you know was uh, basically doing the family thing, uh, husband, father, uh, having uh, three kids that are growing up very fast. Oh wow! Congratulations be, on that. Uh, uh, losing at times on that part, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was doing the music thing for quite a few years, playing in a band here in the Philadelphia area, and uh, most recently I've been uh, doing like you do. I, I do a, a weekly radio show, um, entertainment show called Totally Driven Radio, and uh, actually I won a uh, number one uh, radio person in 2016. Oh, nice! Congratulations! Thank you. Thank my my pleasure, of course. My God, wow, that's awesome. And Chubby, of course, I believe the last time you ever did wrestling, like you were mentioning in 2002, you ended basically your career by being the promoter for All-Star Wrestling, right, if I'm correct? Liberty All-Star? Liberty All-Star Wrestling, yeah. I started that um, with a couple of the local guys, uh, my good friend uh, Frank Namodi and Namoli, who used to wrestle as Frank Cody, and uh, one of the, uh, actually a friend of ours that we made into a manager called Lucky Larry, and we started the promotion in 1994. And we promoted uh, pretty frequently up through 2002. Oh, nice! Very nice. So, knowing that you've you've thrown your name in the hat for both promoter and even you know when you worked as a wrestler, uh, you know you've even had the name the Hell Rider based off the uh, the first tag team that you had. Uh, you know, and we'll get to that in a second. What What do you think was a little bit more challenging for you if you don't? Because I was in your same boat too, by coincidence. I used to be a mass luchador, and just okay. recently, <laughs> just recently, I was a promoter. Um, I stopped due to the health issues that I had due to my surgeries that uh, and all that stuff. But I thought, like, man, what a difference it made when I stopped putting on the tights and, and went on to putting on the boots and the the the, the suits and say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and work some business. <laughs> it, it, you know what? Like, it's so, it's so simple, um, but it, it's the furthest thing from the truth. It really is so hard. And, you know, I, I, I that's the one thing about my wrestling career, like, that I'm really proud of is I did get there every possible hat in the arena where I did every part of it. I from being a worker to a promoter, I be a show on an AM station here locally. Um, I, I mean, I do. I was successful with it, but learning all every part of the way. Yeah, and that 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 to me was even a blessing in disguise because, like you were just mentioning, every work you do, no matter what kind of hat you put on your head in the wrestling business, is a learning experience. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. And that, that's to be. Thing. Yeah. And you know, I I don't want to kind of like you know I I promised you I was going to touch base on your first gimmick, but. You know, now that we're talking about learning to segue a little bit, you know, one of probably one of your biggest learning experiences was when you got to work with the now WWE Hall of Famers, the Dudley Boys. So, uh, how was that? Was how helpful was that for your career? You know, it's it's funny because um, <clears throat> when I uh, like like you had mentioned, I, I was in ECW. I was in the original ECW. Um, as one half of the Hell Riders when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. So I yeah. was there from 92 to 93, but Eddie Gilbert came in and worked a few shows under Eddie Gilbert, and then Eddie slowly got rid of, you know, the talent. He kept, like, one or two local talent guys and brought in, like, a lot of the, the guys from Memphis and all. And uh, at that, that was the point where I went and decided to start my own promotion. But when I came back... Uh, 95 as a, a Dudley, and, um, it was because of Stevie Richards. Um, he, he was just uh, he was there for probably about six months uh, to do the the whole you know Stevie Richards thing. And these were starting, and he said to me um, one night, he's like, "Dude, you got to come in. I need to do 
fit this gimmick perfect, you look like a dove. And uh, <laughs> after, an EC, after an ECW show one night, after one of the arena shows, I met up with them, and uh, he introduced me to Paul, and Paul took one look at me, fucking and uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, you want to be at the next show? He's like, what kind of gimmick do you think you want to do? I said, well, I said, uh, we can either do Studly Dudley or Chubby Dudley. I, he's like, you mean Chubby? I said, I come down eating food. He said, bring food, <laughs> get a tie-dye, and come next week. And that's how it started. And I was there actually um, a few weeks before uh, Bubba was even brought in. And when Bubba was brought in, uh, I saw they instantly were building it around Bubba. And, like, they were, the whole thing was very, like, because I was, you know, they were mostly the New York guys now, and I was the Philly guy, and I was kind of out of the loop. And I would show up each week, and they would just say, Chubby, go out there, do this. Chubby, go out, take a chair shot. Go through a table, you know, do do that. I was like, okay, and I would just do this, do this each week, and was waiting to get my shot to get into the ring, and it never really happened. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, there was, was having major exposure. I was having a good time. I had a lot of friends there, and I saw as time was going on, like, the whole push was definitely out. And at first, and I and I admit, and I admit to people, like, I was, uh, I was pissed, uh, upset. You know, I, I was like, was I to get a fair shot? Thought I deserved at least a shot a chance to show what I can do because I had been working for a few years and had a few more experience than Bubba. But um, I saw, you know, as, as the time went on, that he how fast he was progressing. That he was already a better worker. You know, in six months' time. And, I was in three years' time, and I was like, I, you know, and he had the size and everything. I was like, there, there's no way. I get it. Like, he, he's the thing. And I was, you know, at the stage doing my thing as Chubby Dudley, and then Devon came in, and, uh, you know, that whole thing started. And I was even cool with everything with the whole Devon. It was actually when, when Little Spike came in, I was like, wow, like, they really just, <laughs> there, there, there's no <laughs> shot of me getting a shot once Spike came in and Spike started working. And uh, probably, uh, probably a couple months after Spike was in, I was just like, you know what? Like, uh, I'm, I'm tired of getting concussions. I'm tired of getting whacked. I'm tired of like, you know, it, it got to the point where it wasn't fun anymore. And yeah, that's when I just decided it was time for me to leave. Yeah, and. And mind you, you mentioned a great point because obviously, like you're mentioning, Spike, Devon, uh, Dancing with Dudley. Uh, <laughs> man, I hope I don't get in trouble with radio on this one, but Big Dick Dudley, Sign Guy. You know, the list goes on and on and on as far as the Dudley name is concerned. Did you ever feel like, I know you mentioned like Spike being like, oh, come on, but did you ever feel, even before Spike came in, that is like, hey, th- th- this is just one too many Dudleys? You, you know what? No. Because, um, I mean, there was a laundry list. Um, like, they came in, and then, like, the first few left. Like, I mean, the original three was Big Dick, um, Dudley Dudley, and Little Snot. And Little Snot actually only did a couple shows, and was, he was in a car accident. And was in a serious car accident and never made it back. So when I came in, it was Big Dick, Dudley Dudley, The Answers with Dudley, and then me. So, I mean, I was there very early in the whole process. And then Sign Guy came in. Like, Sign Guy was starting to gimmick outside the, the, the crowd. You know, it was in the crowd at the time. And, and then we brought him on the other side of the gate. And then it started to grow. And... Then as uh, Devon was coming in, then Dances with Dudley ended up leaving because he was upset because he had was you know he was getting ring time and I, I, I thought he was an amazing talent and, and his gimmick was just absolutely hysterical and then he <laughs> saw the writing on the wall too where you know it was about Bubba Devon and, and Big Dick and you know he was getting phased out and he was upset and, and he decided it was time for him to leave. You know, I, I get it because everybody, I mean, we were workers and we wanted our time in the ring 
and there was only limited time because at that, especially at that time, the Dudleys, you know, we were, you know, in the first two or three matches, we weren't main events. Yeah. And mind you, you even, like, going back to what you originally even said with the experience that you had, again, you did have a lot of tag team experience. You did have a lot of singles experience. Uh, You know, you actually started off in ECW, well, Eastern Championship Wrestling, I take that back, as uh, Easy Rider. And as we all know, you started in the tag team as known as the Hell Riders, if I'm correct, right, with HD Rider? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so so basically, you know, you brought that experience over to to of course the Dudleys. Uh, well, at, take I take that back again because you did leave ECW. I believe it was around 1993, and you began your own stint as the Hell Rider, right? Uh, yeah, actually, I was working at that point um, for Jim Kentner down in Delaware. Uh, he he uh, actually through a friend of mine a friend of mine that was going to his monthly shows, I hadn't even heard of, like, Jim Kettner and the whole thing he had going in Delaware because it was a very small base thing at the time, but he was drawing amazing crowds. And uh, a friend of mine would go to his shows, and he's like, you know, let me hook you up with this guy, Jim. And he introduced me to Jim, and, I mean, I literally sat, like, interviewed with Jim Kettner, and um, we hit it off. And, you know, he called me back, and he's like, can you come down to my apartment so we can talk? He goes, I'll, I'll have some ideas on the one for you. And he, I mean, at the time, like, the way he ran his promotion was completely scripted. Like, he scripted every one of his matches. Like, he handed me a script. He's like, I want you to work against my big baby face, who was uh, Boogie Woogie Brown. I want you to come in. I'm going to make you this monster heel. I'm going to feud you. And, he, I mean, he laid it out for me, like, literally a year of shows. He had the whole plot for each show and it how it was going to accumulate into, like, a big show at the end of the year. And I'm telling you, every match... Like, none of his guys were actually trained for wrestling school. He trained all these guys, like, on mats in his back room, in, in, in his apartment. And wow. they would go they would go to his apartment a couple nights a week, and he would train them. And he would give them the scripts, and he would have them do constant walkthroughs of these matches. And then the day of the show, you know, they would do these walkthroughs with their scripts. And I was just, I was blown away because I was used to, you know, I went to wrestling school. I was trained. I, I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll start out with this. We'll get in there and do whatever, and here's our finish. So it was like a whole new thing to me, but it really taught me a lot as well. And working with Jim Kentner was an amazing experience. And, and, and the scary part was I was, like his first indie guy he brought in from the outside because he had his own thing. And I was the one that started working for him. And then I, like, talked him into using people like Glenn Osborne and Jimmy Gennetti and, and stuff like that. And it opened the door for some of the Philly guys that come down to Delaware. And it just, I mean, it exploded. And then when I went back to ECW with a Dudley, you know, I left, uh, I left Jim. But we remained friendly for years. As a matter of fact, I bought Jim Tetner's uh, original ring off of him, and I opened the rest of my, uh, my first wrestling school with his ring. And funny that you even mentioned a name that you just said, uh, Jimmy Janetti. He's actually now a trainer down here in South Florida with uh, oh, yeah. with Gangrel. Dude, he's like, I, was, I just talked to him earlier, as a matter of fact. It's his birthday today. Yeah, it, what a coincidence that you and I both know the same guy. <laughs> Dude, wow. Um, I mean, he's the one that truly... Um, helped train me. Like, I mean, I went through, like, uh, trainers after the old uh, Tri-State Wrestling School, and that's where I, I, I met Gennetti. And, I mean, we've been friends since 1990. We've been, like, best friends. He's, I, I consider him, like, like uh, as close as a brother as you can get. Well, not because you're on the phone with me and because you're his brother, you know, his, in the wrestling business and even outside the wrestling business, but let me tell you, Jimmy is one of the most brilliant minds when it comes to training. And the Absolutely. wrestling business as a whole. Absolutely. That man knows how to guide his students. And actually, Absolutely. one of his students right now is was one of my former, when I ran the promotion, uh, was former my former women's champion, Anna Diaz. And oh, he yeah. was... Oh, so you know about her too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Man, we could just forget the interview and just be like, hey, so... Did, did, 
Yeah, man. I, but, I'm telling you, I, I talk to, like, Gennetti, uh, I talk to him all the time. He's uh, he's sometimes uh, one of my co-hosts on my Total Gym Radio. He'll call in. Actually, calls in from Gangrel School, you know, when he's got time to call in, when he's not training. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't tell you. Uh, yeah, we, we've been cl- yeah. so close for many years. He, he's yeah, like, he's my daughter's uncle. Like, my my daughters call him uncle. Like, yeah. What a small world. I can't believe it. But oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just in awe when it comes to that. But uh, going going back, uh, trying to get myself out of the shock state that I'm in, <laughs> you know, with that being said, you know, of course you work in the singles uh, scene, uh, Chubby, and of course working the tag team scene and, and working the, the spot scene like you were mentioning a little earlier as Chubby Dudley. You know, did you ever at one time – while working the, the, the Dudley gimmick, did you ever say to yourself, man, I wish Paul would have picked up the Hell Rider or Easy Rider for I could get back in that ring and do what I do? Like, was there ever that uh, a time that that came into your mind? No. You know what? Not as um, a Hell Rider. Once I became a Dudley, like, I knew the, the whole Hell Rider gimmick was done, like, yeah, because nobody, nobody cared about a Hellrider anymore. I, I mean, when, once it got to ECW when it was Extreme Championship Wrestling, and, I, I mean, it didn't, it didn't, it was like, you know, the whole WWE, WWF, it didn't matter what you did beforehand, because you weren't on TV, really. I did, I did a couple match, TV matches for the original Eastern Championship Wrestling, but it didn't matter because Extreme Championship Wrestling was so so huge, and it wasn't in Philly anymore. It was truly a worldwide thing. And, I mean, like, people would stop me all the time on the street, in the mall, and, and it, was, it was crazy. Like, and I was, you know, I was part of a sideshow. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, a main guy in the room, so... Yeah, you know, it, it was a crazy time. It was an amazing time that I, I, I would never trade. And I'm so happy and thankful to be part of it. I mean, my you see, I see my name out there in things that part of wrestling history. Like, yeah, Jarek in one of his books. I mean, stupid stuff like that. I'm just, it's too funny. Like, you know, I, I left a mark on people for something, you know. Yeah. Something very and, small. And that's a big plus because, and that sometimes is even a bigger victory for a professional wrestler than, than a just being in the ring in general. Because a lot of people just want to be that household name or at least be known that to a wrestling fan. Because you never know if your experience is touching one of those fans and inspiring them, you know, in some sort of way. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah, and. And, and trust me, I 100% back you up there, Chubby, because like you were saying, like you were very happy, you were, uh, you know, very humble, the fact that you came back to ECW to take on this Chubby personality, and even as much as you were out there doing your snacks, getting hit with chairs, being driven by, by tables, you showed the world, you know, on a worldwide television audience that, hey, look at me, I'm on TV. It, you know, what stops you from doing the same? <laughs> so, yeah, you know what, like, I, I mean, I got to, especially, I got to walk that aisle at the ECW Arena in its peak from 95 and 96, and I, and I truly feel that was the peak um, before they even had that, uh, you know, pay-per-view in 97. I, I feel that was the peak time they had the, the, you know, you got people like Cactus Jack there, Steve Austin, and I got to walk the aisle, come back, in that dressing room with those guys, talk to them and hang out with them as friends, got to pick their brains, ask them questions about the business, and, and learn from these guys, and uh, enjoy their company, and it just, I mean, and a lot of them guys are people who I look up to, and were huge influences on my career, and were reasons I wanted to get into the business, and next thing I know, I'm sitting next to them and being able to talk to them and say, well, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And why did you do this? And they were, every person there was very humble, very respectful, and just was a team. It was truly a team and a 
family, and we all, um, you know, we, we fought together and, and fought together as one to better, um, you know, the whole product and, and the brand and, and the family, and that's what everybody did. Yeah, and, and ECW was a family, like Paul Heyman has said in many, many biographies, that ECW was not just your typical locker room. It was a family of brothers and sisters. And, you know, a lot of – and, Chubby, please, uh, I want your opinion on this. Uh, when, you know, during that peak, like you were saying, where Cactus Jack, Steve Austin, even the cruiserweights were being introduced in ECW first, I want to say that on air. ECW mm-hmm. introduced the cruiserweights. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, how was it, it during that time? Because obviously, you know, always promoters are always going to attack the most uh, hot item. How was it when, like, WWE and, and WCW started to kind of, like, pick all these talents from you guys? It, was, it must have been stressful also during that peak time. You know, you know it actually, I, I remember sitting there um, – especially like the arena shows sitting backstage and they would have a monitor set up and we would all be gathered around watching the monitor, see what was going on on the other side of the curtain. And I would always try to sit near Cactus or Austin because at that time they were both in negotiations with Vince and they were both like comparing notes. So like I would sit there and try to ease through. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, um, just, you know, hearing that stuff, but you got it. Like, I mean, they they so deserved it, and like, no matter how big or special ECW was, the, they deserved to make the money for what they were putting their bodies through, and there was no way it was never going to happen with ECW. So I mean, I, I get like them going. I mean, some of them, you know, were just kind of. You saw once they got to the the bigger shows, like. You know, they were better off and they were more suited for ECW, some of them. But mm-hmm. you saw the ones like Cactus and Austin that were most most definitely better suited for the big stage. Yeah, I agree 100% with that statement also of that some characters that were in ECW should have stayed with ECW. Not that it was their call because obviously they want to make a living in this business and who can blame them if they're giving getting more Absolutely. money. and But... Like, I, I want to jump on that statement, and please tell me where I'm wrong or, or if I'm right, but when I saw names like the Sandman jump over to WCW as Hack and even over to the WWE, I'm like, no, I see Sandman more like AECW. And same yeah. thing for Raven, even though he did the Johnny Polo gimmick in WWE before he went over to ECW. You, you know, it's funny because... With Hack, yes. I mean, Hack was more of that. He was better suited as being that big fish in the little pond, the, you know, that, that true hero of ECW, that big superstar of ECW. But Raven was one that I always, like, I, I don't know what it was. He just, uh, he was an amazing talent, an amazing mind for the business. And I just don't ever, ever understand why he truly never, truly got that superstar, um, you know, I don't know if it's a push or, or whatever it was, uh, you know, with the feds, like that never made them that big household name. Well, like, like you know, I was mentioning, he did have that Johnny Polo stint with the Quebecers, I believe it was. And uh, that lasted a very long time, but once they, you know, separated Johnny into, uh, of course, a single star, it didn't last way too long. I think he only had two matches under the Polo gimmick before he. Right went over to ECW officially and started the Raven. But um, speaking about going back to ECW and, and, of course, debuting and staying, were you ever, by coincidence, ever contacted ever again after you left ECW the third, uh, second time, after the Chubby gimmick, <laughs> were you ever contacted back to come back or, or even for the uh, one-night stands? Uh, the only time I was contacted by uh, by anybody in ECW afterwards was um, after I left in 96 I started um, getting bookings uh, you know because of course the indie scene one of the you're like oh a Dudley and they started calling me and, and booking me and um, Taz called me I, 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 at the time I was working during the day delivering pizzas and I don't even know how he tracked me down at where I was but um, 
Taz called me at the pizza shop I was working at, and um, <laughs> I get on the phone. He's like, yo, babe, it's Taz. I'm like, and I'm thinking, oh, yo, man, what's going on? How you been? He's like, if you don't stop using the fucking dully gimmick, I'm going to come find you and beat your fucking ass. And I was like, what? He's like, you heard me. He's like, that's our gimmick. You're not allowed to do it. I'm like, dude, like, and I, like, can I please explain myself? He's like, no. I'm like, what do you mean, no? He's like, no, you, you, you're not allowed to use the gimmick. It's our gimmick. Don't let me find out you're using it again, or I will find you. Holy shit. That's what I said. I was like, all right, whatever, and I hung up. And I was like, wow, okay. Do I really wow. want to do this anymore? And I was like, no, you know what? No, I don't. And I, and I, at that point, I was like, I, I don't need them. It's not worth me taking a fucking booking for, you know, 7,500 hours to, to get heat with anybody. And he said, because I still had so much love and respect for all them guys. I was like, you know what? It's, it's not worth it to me. And I, I left the business for a few years. About three years. You, you know, doing like side manager gimmicks as myself. I was calling myself the Hot Shot Bay Ragney. And I worked a few matches here and there just for shits and giggles and, um, then I, I started promoting again, uh, like three years later, and I started using And I started using it. I never heard from this again. Holy hell. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, and it's funny I'm still in awe about love, that Taz call. <laughs> I, would, I haven't talked to Taz since, I don't think. And, I, I you know, it would be funny now you know, 20-something years later, he'd be like, do you remember calling me at a pizza shop and threatening my life? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that, that would be a coincidence. But, yeah, right? You know, just out of, like, curiosity, this is a curious question, not saying that it would have ever happened, but what if, like, because of that phone call, a week later you tune into ECW television and you see a whole brand-new chubby? Would have that been, like, a slap in the face or... Yeah, yeah, I would, I would have been, I would have been devastated. I would have been hurt. I really would have been. Oh my god, I'm just curious about that because let me tell you something. When I was the luchador, because of course I was under a mask, it's easy to replace me because anyone can go under a mask. Right. <laughs> Sin Cara. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it's, it, it, it seems to me like yeah, I would, I was hurt. You know, because when I stopped wrestling, I was hurt when I said, oh, my God, they replaced me with someone else. And he doesn't even look like me. You know, I could only have imagined you with the amount of passion that you had towards that gimmick, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the <laughs> thing, too, like, that really kind of, I, I mean, even from early on in ECW, like, I mean, I was there from day one of ECW. I was there from early on in Tri-State Wrestling Alliance, which was before ECW. I, I lived breathe, bled, sweat, tears, you name it, for those federations and for Philadelphia wrestling and, and trying to build this area up and be part of it. I, I just believe so much in the Philadelphia wrestling scene and the people involved that had such a love. And it wasn't even just for, you know, uh, the boys or the girls in the back. It was for the people on the other side of the, the guardrail. I made such friendships with people on both sides of the guardrail still to this day, like a lot of the, you know, the people that were, you know, fans of the business, I'm still very friendly with and, you know, are still very friendly with my wife and, and family. And, you know, I made a lot of lifelong friendships from that, from the world of wrestling. And uh, Chubby, uh, not to uh, stop the interview a little bit for a second, but I actually found, uh, got a question here from our fan page. Someone messaged our fan page. His name is Chris. Uh, he wants to know, uh, what is what? Let me try, I, I, Chris. If you're if you're listening, I'm going to reword your question because I don't understand what you typed here. But he wants to know uh, what is tougher, Chris, uh, New York or Philadelphia wrestling? Well, I'll sum it up in what I've always said. If you can make it in Philadelphia, and you can get over in the, with the Philadelphia crowd, you can make it anywhere. All right. I said that day one in the business. I, I truly believe if you can, because 
New York is a tough crowd, yes, but I always felt Philly was maybe, you know, I'm biased or whatever, but there's a reason why ECW was born and built here, and, and it became extreme here, and the fan base flocked from here and worldwide to Philadelphia. There's a reason for it. So, Thank you very much, Chris, for that question. I appreciate it. Again, guys, if you have any questions for Chubby, uh, he should be here with us for the next uh, five, ten minutes. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and send it over to the fan page, facebook.com backslash Russell City Radio. I'm accepting all messages for questions for Chubby Dudley. So, um, uh, Chubby, uh, knowing that you were also a promoter, I wanted to ask you this as from a promoter's mindset. Uh, because, of course, you mentioned New York and Philadelphia. Obviously, when the WWE decided, hey, we're going to bring back ECW in that one-night stand pay-per-view, they were (laughs) very adamant about what venue they used. I I believe they used the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom. Um, But to be honest with you, it was not – like a lot of fans during that time, during one-night stand – they said that it wasn't ECW unless those events happened in the original ECW arena. Would it, would, what do you think? Do you think it would have been more successful, those events, if it took place in, the, uh, in ECW arena or, or leave it as is? That's a good question. Um, being the fact that, I mean, I mean let's face it, it, it was the WWE's representation of ECW. So, I mean, I, I get the whole New York Hammerstein Ballroom thing, but that ECW arena, I mean, it, it's funny. I was just down there a couple months ago for a um, a boxing fundraiser, and um, I, I still I walk in that arena still to this day, and I can just stand there and have tears run down my face and, and feel the, the chills. And that building is so different than what it was 20 years ago. Uh, I mean, it, it's actually a really nice, beautiful building now, and it's so much bigger. And so what they've done there is amazing. And, and Roger, uh, I mean, deserves all the credit in the world for what he's done with that building. Um, but that that I, I can't tell you how much that ECW arena, how electric it was on those nights of those arena shows in '95 and '96. I, I mean. Walking that aisle, being uh, you know on the other side of the guardrail, going through the crowd, uh, you know, as, as you're brawling and, and getting whacked with chairs, and you know you're jumping off the shit uh, up off the stage, and just uh, I, I can't ever, and uh, I I know I'll never uh, experience anything ever like that again in my life, and I I thank. Uh, I, the, the gods of wrestling. I can never thank them enough for letting me experience those uh, those times. Yep, and as a matter of fact, that's where my my favorite memories of ECW ever took place too. As far as uh, me as a fan growing up, uh, watching ECW at that time, you know, watching Mikey Whipwreck do what he did, you know, and make history. Uh, winning things like the ECW championship for the first time there. Like, Mikey Whitrick, I, I know this is going out on a limb, but to me, Mikey Whitrick was the James Ellsworth of today. Basically, the, the one guy that everyone said that he can't do it or he doesn't look the part, still did it and went on to win the ECW championship. You know, That's what, just my and, and you know why he did it? Because he learned, he gained the respect of the Philadelphia crowd. They respected him so much for what he did in the ring, and people like Cactus Jack respected him and helped put him over, and, and which made the Philly crowd love him even more. Yep. Uh, note to note to self: uh, if Cactus Jack puts you over, take it and run. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I actually have another question here from Abel. Uh, he wants to know, what is your most found memory in the wrestling business? Um, <laughs> I, can, I can give you, I'm trying to like, going through the Rolodex in my mind, and um, there was a time I got super bombed by the pit bulls, probably one of the scariest things I ever did. 
I had a concussion and uh, uh, yeah, that <laughs> that that was a that's a, a good one. Um, <laughs> the time the time Francine tried to stick a chair up my ass at the arena. <laughs> she was beating me with a she was beating me with a chair and then she was like, I'm gonna get you, you fucker and she starts sticking it between the cracks of my cheeks and I was like, You son of a bitch <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of good freaking time you know what I mean? Like stupid stuff like that. We had, we had so much so many good times. There was definitely the, the the match with um it was Bubba and Big Dick against Devon and Axel at the arena. Um, that was the one where Paulie like was like, you know what, go out and do, do what you guys want to do, and they let 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 us go, and we just had a blast and went all free. And that was the night that truly turned everything for the dummies. We went from being a comedy act to like, oh shit, what's going on here? <laughs> yep, and. and that was the the beginning, like you're saying. The uh, and Abel, thank you very much for the question. Um, that was the turning point of hey, this is no longer a funny act. This is now I'm very serious. And and to be honest with you, the Dudleys knew well. Bubba and Devon knew how to gain that heat like no other tag team in the yep. business. <laughs> My and, and I'll tell you, let me tell you too. Like I got to give them. And I always do whenever I do one of these interviews. Um, they they both came in to ECW, green out of wrestling school, and they put the time in. They learned. They respected everybody, and, and they busted their freaking asses. And everything they did and earned in this business was so well deserved. And I can't praise those two enough and take my hat off to them enough. But I, I never, and I'm sure I go with millions of other wrestling fans in this world, when they came, you know, into the business, I never would expect them to be, you know, bigger names than the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, you know what I mean? Or, you know, the Midnight yep. Express. They became the biggest tag team in wrestling, and I, my hat's off. I can't praise them two guys enough, and I have... So much love and respect for the two of them. And not to overshadow their Hall of Fame induction, this is one of my last two questions here for you because I know it's uh, getting a little too long already. But uh, the, the as far as, and again, for all you fans out there of the Dudleys, I'm not trying to overshadow their accomplishments. Obviously, they were just inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, in the WWE, a lot of people even point fingers and say sometimes when they induct a certain guest, they're like, that guy's never been in the WWE. What's he doing in the Hall of Fame? It's because the WWE now owns WCW and ECW. In right. that case, my next question is, now that the Dudleys have been inducted, how about doesn't it sound reasonable to also induct the entire Dudley clan? Because they did start a history with, of course, yourselves, not uh, dancing with Dudley, uh, Big Dick Dudley, Spike, etc. That was history in the making when it came to that group. You know, it was history, but a lot of people just don't, <clears throat> they don't remember it or, or realize it. Um, I mean, early on, you know, fans from 20 years ago, like when the Dudleys really first came out onto the WWE scene and, you know, they were putting out the history DVDs and stuff like, you know, yeah, maybe. But a lot of them fans, I don't know if they're still fans, so they've kind of gone by the wayside. Um, I, I mean, I, I, there's no way in, in hell I, I think in my mind that I would ever <laughs> be inducted into a Hall of Fame thing. There, there's, there's, no, there's no reason for it. Like, I mean, I, honestly, the only thing I feel that needs to be done, and I just do not understand why nobody has done it. There's all these wrestling conventions, and I, I don't understand why nobody has put together the Dudley family for uh, an appearance at one of these wrestling conventions. It's beyond me why it hasn't <laughs> happened. I, I mean, I, I haven't talked to Bubba or Devon in years. Like when, Early on when they would come into Philly, and you know, I would go down to the hotel and hang out and have a couple beers with them. Um, 
The only one I, I've really remained in contact with is Sign Guy Dudley, who's uh, having an amazing life after wrestling. He's actually um, he's the vice president of promotions and marketing for uh, Circus Olay out in Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's an amazingly talented, gifted uh, person and has a, an amazing life. He's living out there and a family. He's really kicking ass. and I mean, he's the only one I really have kept in t- touch with out of the Dudleys. I, I taught the dances with Dudley a couple of years ago through Facebook, but uh, that's kind of drifted off as well. But, um, yeah, uh, that's cool. the only thing I, I'm surprised nobody has done, but... For us all to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, I, I don't ever see something like that happen. There's really no need for it. The Vince can't make money off of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's no need for it. <laughs> hey, well, you never know because, look, you said it yourself. These guys came in green, as green as can be, and they became the biggest tag team in the wrestling business. You just never know, Chubby. You just never know. Hey, it's and the I'm restaurant pre- business. You never know what's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> so, hey, you never know. Maybe when I ask that question, all of our listeners right now, or at least the dedicated Dudley fans, are like, oh, my God, let's go ahead and tweet the WWE and get that done. Who knows? Maybe, <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to make fun of you listeners. I'm just trying to say what you guys are probably thinking. But... um but my last question is, and by the way, to kind of uh, you know piggyback off your idea of these wrestling conventions and and the entire Dudley family, whoever books that first, I will buy my ticket on an airplane if it's not in Florida, and I will go. <laughs> there you go. So promoters, if you're on this show and you're listening and you're getting this idea, just know you got a guy here from Florida that was willing to buy an airplane ticket himself to see that happen. So, uh, yeah, so my last question in this, Chubby, and that's kind of segueing off what you what you last said was, so with your idea of the the entire Dudley clan coming together at a convention or a wrestling show, you are you willing to put back the tie dye and and the pants and and have either one more match or one more spot? No, that'll never happen. Um... I actually, I'm I'm sick as well. I have, <laughs> I found out uh, a year ago, I have uh, this rare autoimmune disease called sarcoidosis, um, and what sarcoidosis is, like the claim of claim the fame for the disease of sarcoidosis is, it's what uh, legendary comedian actor Bernie Mac died from, where it affects my lungs and and my whole body, and then yeah, like I I went to a a wrestling school about a year ago to visit some friends and um, I, I couldn't even get it onto the ring apron. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, it's, yeah, it's never going to happen. Like I, I, my daily life is a chore at times anymore. So, yeah. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. As a matter of fact, uh, not to make it sound more grief, but my, one of my bestest friends, I saw him as a brother. Um, he was diagnosed with, uh, uh, statistic fibrosis. Okay. And uh, he just had passed away two weeks ago. Ah, uh, jeez, I'm sorry. Yeah, and um, I, and I miss him every day. So yeah. listen, Chubby. Now that you went on, you know, I, and last week by coincidence, I admitted on the show that I might be having kidney failure, hence why I had to stop uh, my geez. wrestling promoting. So. You know, from one person that felt a loss of a friend and another person that's going through the trials and tribulations of health, I will be praying for you, Chubby. Back at you, my friend. Back at you. My sister had, um, sister had kidney failure. was on dialysis for 10 years. Um, actually, my cousin has it now. It's, it's I, I, I pray, like I said, whoever that higher God is, I, I hope to hell um, you don't have to go through that. No, and I, I, and I uh, you know, it's the same thing for you because I, I know you must be living with that every day on your mind and, you know, with everything you just mentioned, and that's a lot to, to weigh on yourself as a person. But just know, Chubby, you're now part of the Russell City Radio family and you're not alone anymore. <laughs> not that you were before. Well, thank but... you. I, you know what, I'll tell you what, this, this has definitely been um, uh, the best interview I I've had yet because a lot you you know a lot of people though 
they seem to do these interviews and they really um, they really don't know much about me or ECW. They just know the Dudley part and they don't know nothing else. So you, you knew a lot and, I, and a great question and a fun conversation. So thank you. Well, Chubby, you are always, and I mean always, welcome to come back. Um, you know, I believe my booker, Remy, is the one that got you, and I thank Remy very much for this. Uh, yeah, where's he if at? You, uh, <laughs> he's backstage. <laughs> he he works he, backstage. He, but, is uh, he in Japan I'm pretty sure he, Huh? Is he in Japan? Uh, yeah, he's well, he's in Japan, but he works backstage for me. You know, okay. to get all all these names for me and and et cetera. When he's here in Florida, though, he does help me on the studio portion. Nice. Okay. So basically, you know, Remy is one of my favorite all-time bookers on this show. He has provided me some of the best guests, including yourself. So. Uh, with that being said, you know, if in case one day, Chubby, you said, hey, I just want to call in and, you know, say hi to, to the guys or, or just talk garbage, feel free to get the call-in number from him. I'll be more than happy to, to provide it to you, too. You're always welcome on this show. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, now, now that I know you're in Florida and, and you're, if you're near Janetti, go visit him at the, the Gangrel School and bring him Wawa. He loves Wawa. <laughs> You know, I'm still waiting for a Wawa to freaking open down here in Miami. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I know that they opened one in Coral Springs, but in Miami, they're, they're like, Starbucks is still saying, get out of here. <laughs> Do not come to Miami. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, he, yes. he called us during the grand opening of Wawa. He called us live from Wawa. <laughs> yeah, I, I had my first Wawa in Orlando during WrestleMania week, and... Let me tell you something, Starbucks can, God, I am so going to get sued for this if they ever listen to this, but Starbucks can kiss it after I had the Wawa coffee. There you go. There you go. I'm just, I'm just saying, that's all I'm saying. But that's all you got to say. Before I, before I get in more trouble on that, uh, Chubby, let's do some plugs, my friend. Uh, is there any kind of Twitter you would like your fans to follow or a fan page or, or even if a promoter decided, hey, let's do an appearance, not, of, of course, a spot or, or, a, um, or a match, but if they wanted to do a Chubby Dudley appearance, how, where can they contact you? Um, I'm, very, I'm very easy to find. I'm all over the world of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Bay Ragney, J-Y-R-A-G-N-I, or look up... Uh, Totally Driven Entertainment or Totally Driven Radio on all those platforms. I'm all over the social media platforms, and uh, show Totally Driven Radio will be live on air tomorrow night, and we're live every Thursday. And uh, just look up Totally Driven Radio or Totally Driven Entertainment. Like us, love us, follow us, subscribe, listen. You know, do all those fun things. Will do, and I'm going to become a new listener to your radio show. Uh, you said your show goes on the air tomorrow. Tomorrow night, eight o'clock. We'll be live. Awesome. I'll be tuning in. Guys, for everyone tuning in tonight, make sure you tune in to his show tomorrow night as well at 8 p.m. Uh, Chubby, I thank you so, so very much for this honor to speak with you today, and I'll make sure that we, can, we send you all the information, contact, in case you ever want to call us back in. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you again to you, and thank you to the, uh, to the listeners and uh, the people with the questions. It was fun. A lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so very much, Chubby. I hope you have a great night, okay? You too. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Guys, that was the great Chubby Dudley, one of the original one of the original Dudley boys uh, in ECW. Again, he started there in 1993 all, and ran all the way to 1996. Uh, guys, this was a tremendous interview. He mentioned everything from what made him leave ECW, 
during his time as a Dudley boy. Uh, basically, he even spoke about, you know, if he ever regretted uh, changing his gimmick uh, to the Dudleys. And, of course, his opinion on the WWE doing their own run and stint of ECW. We thank Chubby very, very much for sharing all those stories and knowledge uh, here today on Russell City Radio. Guys, that's about it for tonight's show. Please, please uh, tune in next week again at 7.30 p.m. when we're back on the air here on Russell City Radio with special guest Lynette the She-Hulk uh, from Booker T's Reality of Wrestling. Guys, we thank you very much for, again, tuning in tonight. I hope you all have a great night, and take care. See you next week. <laughs>